Victoria, don't panic up there, okay? I know you got a lot of material, but uh, the, the first page of that is, is from last week. And so really the only thing you have to worry about is uh, uh, the, the second page of, of that, what's, what I gave to you in Spanish. Take your Bibles. We're going to start in Acts chapter 22, where we started off uh, last week, and then we're going to move into some other areas and introduce you to a man, a good man, with a good testimony. <clears throat> good man with a good testimony. And we're not going to start at verse uh, 1 this evening. Uh, let's start at verse um, let's start at verse 5. And as the high priest doth bear me witness, lost my place. Verse 5, as, and as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. That's the Apostle Paul, before he was saved, and that's what he was doing. He's rounding up Christians and bringing them to be held accountable for the crime of knowing Christ. Uh, we talked about in the Sunday school hour that uh, people in the first century trusted Christ as their Savior, understanding that it could cause them to be put to death. The Apostle Paul was, and not the Apostle Paul at this point, Saul, and he is hunting down people of that way to, ha to have them killed, fed to the lions, um, uh, impaled by, on poles, and set, uh, set on fire while they were alive to light uh, the garden parties for the rich and the elite. Uh, they were skinned while they were alive. It was, a, it was a terrible thing. But people came to know Christ as their Savior in spite of that. Why? Because man without Christ has a sin problem. And that solution is Jesus Christ. He is the only solution. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So people in the first century facing this kind of persecution trusted Christ because the alternative was dying and going to a devil's hell. And that is unacceptable. And that should be unacceptable today as well. It should be. Verse 6, And came to pass that as I made my journey... And was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? You notice the translators have done us a favor in verse 8. Lord is little, capital L, little O, little R, little D. Because at this point, yeah, no Christ is a Savior. He is not his Lord, uh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God. And he saith, and he said unto me, I am, G I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? Uh, and the Lord said unto me, Arise and go unto Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came unto Damascus, and one, Ananias, 
He's in the first century. He's enduring persecution. He knows who Paul is, know what Paul is doing. And uh, one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And, why, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass and, and on. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and pray that we be encouraged tonight to be men and women that have a good testimony. To be devout, students of your word, of those that are within and without, those that know Christ and those that have rejected Christ. May they look upon us. And know that we are different. May they see that in every aspect of our life. The places we go, the things we eat, the entertainment we enjoy, the jokes we tell and tolerate. Walk away. May they know that a Christian is in the room. Speak to our hearts, we pray this evening. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week we said, how in the world do you have a good testimony? And we talked about going back to basics. Uh, read your Bible every day. There's no substitute for that. Uh, pray daily. Uh, really, you should be praying all times every day. And I don't know if any of you tried that this week, but I tried to pay attention to how many times my phone went off in text. And every time I get a text, I pray for that person. And you, if, you just, if you just did that one thing, you would be praying always with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You're just going to do it all the time because your phone just rings constantly. And people uh, with me, they're saying, Pastor, pray for this and pray for that. And this happened and that happened. And all day long, people share their burdens. And it's important to stop and, and pray. It's important to do that. And so those text messages to me are prayer reminder texts. And, and pray for people all day long. And you should. You should be doing that all day long. And I hope that you will. <clears throat> uh, and then, uh, being a bold witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's only going to come uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, now, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. I'm going to give you three more things uh, this evening. and, and uh, Or four things this evening. And then we'll conclude uh, this tonight, uh, hopefully, uh, by the time... Time expires. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards. What is a steward? Well, the next verse is going to tell us. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Every once in a while, somebody will say to me, Pastor, I want to teach a Sunday school class. And... It, you don't come to church. But I would. But you don't. It, it, if you want to be a steward, you've got to be thankful. Period. <laughs> That's it. End of discussion. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man 
Uh, be found faithful. Faithful in what? Uh, in every area. Uh, well, one of the areas is, is your giving. Uh, are you a giver? <clears throat> Faithfulness is interesting. Faithfulness is a quality that every one of us should seek to cultivate. I strive, and you should, to be, to be faithful to my spouse. I find myself quoting the marriage vows often. Several years ago, somebody asked me a question. And they said, is it okay to date this person? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, let me call. So I called him and talked to him. And, and I said, I asked him some questions. And then I said to him, uh, no, you, you're married. Did you know that it's not okay to date someone else when you're married? And your marriage vows say, and he says, well, well I'm, I'm, I'm separated. I don't care if you're separated or not. You're married. And forsaking all others, keep thee only unto her as long as you both shall live. Is this your solemn vow? Is it? It's just amazing to me. And we should cultivate faithfulness in our giving, sure. But faithfulness, giving is just one small part of that. Uh, Wednesday night, we don't take an offering. On Sunday morning, we do. We had a lot of people here in the room on Sunday. And I said, hey, uh, this, is, this is a part of our worship service, what we do uh, on Sunday. We, we do that. People get offended and they'll go out of the room and say, oh, you know, Baptists are just after your money. And I just find that uh, incredulous because before the offering, I say very little, except maybe uh, fellows come forward to receive our morning tithes and offering. That's it. And then I pray. Thank God for his goodness to us, right? And then I sit down and we have an offertory. And from start to finish, what is that? Two minutes? Three minutes? Uh, that we get judged. Oh, I just have your money. Uh, well, money is a part of it. But being faithful to your spouse is, is a part too. Uh, being faithful to church is a part too. A church is not to be punishment. It's not. I, I enjoy... Uh, I enjoy ministering to God's people. I enjoy the hospital visits. I enjoy uh, going to the graveside with our folks and being a comfort and a help to them in difficult times and circumstances. I enjoy being there for people. I do. But I really enjoy coming to church. I really enjoy going to the back door and seeing as you go and talking to you as you come in. I really enjoy going around the room and getting to know you and who you are and what your struggles are. I, I love it when you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And I, I, enjoy, I enjoy that. That's, church is to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Certainly it's a time when we come and we open God's Word and we read about uh, and we study top topics like faithfulness. But church is so much more than just a destination that you end up at. It's a place where we encourage and we encourage one another. And I have to remind my preacher friends of this. Hey, we're going to get together and fellowship. 
and they and they and hear some preaching and, and do some things and have lunch together and they say, I don't I don't need a fellowship. <laughs> look at them and say, Listen, it's not all about you. I'm glad you don't need the fellowship because everything's fine in your life. But there's some poor preacher out there, some young guy who's barely making ends meet and working two jobs and pastoring a church. And it'd be really helpful if you put his hand, your hand on his shoulder and said, hey, bro, let me pray for you. But if you're not there, you can't do that. And they go, well, you put it that way. Well, how, how else do you put it? Be thankful. Faithfulness How is it defined? Faithfulness is defined as trustworthiness or dependability. I know that I have friends here in this room that I can depend on, that I could call on them, and you would be there for me. And I hope you know that you could call on me and I would be there for you. Faithful. Faithfulness shows how Christians strive to honor God in every aspect of their life. Faithfulness shows that. Being faithfulness includes everything. Your word, your deed, your actions. Faithfulness to God is trusting God to meet my needs. No matter how bad things get. Knowing that God is going to care for me. Being faithful means that we will follow where God leads. We talked about the Armacross family this evening, going to Myanmar and Burma. Now he's 55 and in a high-profile, good-paying ministry position overseeing Scores of young people are training for Christian service. He is, a, he, is a, he is an amazing man. But I'll tell you what. I, I, when I first met him, I said, you know, he is, an, he is an amazing Christian. But my estimation for him has just gone through the roof. Because at 55, he's saying, you know what? I'm going to leave my children and their families and my grandchildren and the possibility of great-grandchildren and at 55, I'm going to leave my security and comfort and my position behind. And, I, and I'm going to go start over in a foreign land where I don't know anybody. Amazing. Amazing. That's what being faithfulness means. God calls. I, I, mean, I, I love it here. Miss Bishop and I were absolutely thrilled to be here. I, I may be one of the few people that says, I'm glad to be in Northern Virginia. Nobody likes Northern Virginia. Nobody wants to be here. Nobody wants to stay here. But, but I do. But I also recognize that I am a steward. And that any time God could say, I want you somewhere else. He could. And when God leads, we, we follow him. That's what that's what faithfulness means. Following God where He leads and loving Him in return. Being faithful demonstrates our love for God. When you come to church and you sit in a pew, you're not just coming to church and sitting in a pew. You're saying to everyone around you that I believe God. And I believe God's got a plan for me. 
And I should believe, I believe I should go where God has commanded me to go. We, we think of that. I don't, I don't want to go to Myanmar or to Zimbabwe. Well, how about going to church? Because <laughs> that's one of the places God told you to go. Speaking of which, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. One of my favorite off-quoted, or coming into hunting season. Speaking of faithfulness, and I talk to the hunter. Now in Virginia, you can hunt on Sunday. And they say, preacher, I can worship God in the deer stand just as well as I can in church. Well, I look right back at them and I quote scripture and I say, no, you can't. No, you can't. Why? Because God dictates worship. We're in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 20. Uh, let's go to verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And you can't do that if you're not here. <laughs> you can't. You can't encourage somebody to, uh, to, to be faithful, to love God and to work for God and to labor for God if you're not here. And you're not doing that from their stand because they're not there. And if they were there, you'd be saying, shh. Hush! Scare the deer away, right? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. So I read that verse to them, and I say, not only can you not worship God in the tree stand, but God tells me I shouldn't be like you. Not forsaking the, the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Right in that verse, God said, that person that is not assembling is not a person I want you to be like. And it just seemed pretty clear to me. <clears throat> so, you can't. Uh, you are, listen, and I say to them, and in the tree stand, you're not thinking about God. You see the deer, and all of a sudden your heart starts going, and you, 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 you hold your gun up and you fight it in, and you go, breathe. And you're not thinking about God. You're thinking about all the things that you've got to do in order, in order to stay on target, and you're thinking wind speed and direction and distance and, and the drop of the, the bullet over how many yards. Now you're thinking of all that stuff. You are not thinking, you are not thinking about God's zero. And they go, well, I'm sort of thinking about God. No, 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 we're not. And, and besides that, God determines worship. You, we don't. So we live in a day and age where people are doing all kinds of things. Miss Bishop hates it when I say smoke and mirrors, because a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. They turn the lights on, they got smoke coming on, they got flashing stuff going on, they got all kinds of uh, stuff they call music. But if you talk to anybody who is a music, who, who know, has any knowledge of music, they'll say, um, I'm sorry, it doesn't qualify as a textbook definition of music. But it does qualify for the textbook definition of noise. <clears throat> God determines worship. God dictates worship. And it's found right here in this book. You and I do not. Do not. <clears throat> so this is kind of an interesting article that came out just recently. They asked pastors. I didn't get this survey. 
to do a survey of their congregation. And the question was this. Define commitment to the Lord's house. And do you consider yourself committed? And almost 100% of the respondents in the churches said, yeah, absolutely, we are committed. They consider a committed membership as, quote, two times a month. And under that definition, they were absolutely faithful. But not by God's definition at all whatsoever. Matter of fact, God said again not to be like them. So here are nine benefits of church membership. Um, number one, it pleases and glorifies God. Number two, church member, ch- ch- attending church is an act of love to your neighbor. How, how is that? Uh, I've shared this before. My Uncle Dale lived in uh, just outside of Rochester, and uh, he went church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. He was always there, always there, always there. And then one Wednesday, one, one week, they had a special guest that could come in on Thursday, so they moved their midweek service from Wednesday to Thursday. And so on that Wednesday night, they weren't having church. So Uncle Dale and the family stayed home. And the neighbor, the unsaved neighbor, crossed the street, came and knocked on his door and said, Dale Bishop, are you okay? There's got to be something terribly wrong going on there. Family sick? Somebody died? Dale said, no. Why? He said, because it's Wednesday night. You're not in church. You're always in church. It's an act of love to your neighbor. You think they don't watch you and they don't know where you're going? They know exactly where you're going. Who in the world goes out on a Wednesday night with the family every week at the same time? Number three, church attendance makes you smarter. That was interesting in this list tonight. How does it make you smarter? Well, you'll know things about vocabulary. Uh, you'll, that's why I say you don't need a new Bible that dumbs down the English language. You need a dictionary. You should not be dumb. Uh, get a dictionary. You can look up the word. It's not, not a hard thing. And you can learn new definitions. It's not going to hurt you. Attending church and learning those words is going to make you smarter. Uh, you'll learn about the Bible. You'll learn about vocabulary. You'll learn about places. You'll learn about grammar. You'll learn about history. You'll learn about the Philistines and the and David and things that archaeologists say don't even exist because they haven't found artifacts until they do find artifacts. And then they have to admit that, oh, yeah, you were right all along. <laughs> and then you then you, you're just smart. Makes you smarter. Bible increases the intelligence in children as they learn scripture and they memorize scripture. Really amazed me when I first came here and said to the congregation, I said, We've got, a, we've got children downstairs. They're, they do not know the books of the Bible. So I'm going to bring them for the first 15 minutes. We're going to bring them into the auditorium, and we're going to sit down, each of them with an adult, and you're going to help them learn the books of the Bible. And you know what I realized? The adults didn't know the books of the Bible, and they had to learn them too. <clears throat> what is that? It makes children smarter. Listen, it'll make you smarter too. <clears throat> it makes you healthy. What? And you'll learn in, in Corinthians, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost that is in you, and ye are not your own, but you are bought with a price, and then you're not going to do things like, police, young police officer looks at me, I'm pushing 70, uh, 62, and, <clears throat> and, this is, uh, and they say, so you were a police officer. I was. And how, how ancient are you, man? I said, I'm pushing 70 and, uh, today. And I said, how? How? 
How do you stay looking like that? He said, because you look out at the policemen that are out here, the old guys, they're all, they're all fat. And I just looked at them and I said, do you drink alcohol? And they went, yep. I said, well, that's what you're going to look like. You want to look like this? You've got to stay away from it because that stuff will kill you. And they go, really? I said, yeah, that is not good for you. It's not. Uh, so just being a Christian will help, will help you uh, healthier. And uh, you're going to keep from destructive activities. It'll make you happier. It'll make you more generous. It'll protect your marriage. This is kind of an interesting fact. I don't know who does these figures. But for a person that is faithful to church, they are they have a 47% better chance of staying married than a person, a family, a couple that does not attend church together. It's just kind of interesting. Uh, limit state power. Why? That one kind of caught me by surprise. And the Melanie's given me that. Really? State power? Because as the world becomes darker and darker, we need, we need the state to make more and more laws. So the state tries to legislate morality, whether it be a gun control or a profanity or speeding or whatever. If everybody came to church and obeyed God's law, man, police be out of a job, courts would have to shut down, they wouldn't have to make laws because they wouldn't need laws. But as people get darker and darker, the state has to exert more and more power. Listen, you reject God's authority? And God's got the state, and the state is a terrible, terrible taskmaster. <clears throat> uh, protects the family against delusional thinking. Uh, reprobate mind talked about in uh, Romans chapter one, verse eighteen. Turns me to Colossians chapter three. <clears throat> How do I ha- become a good man with a good testimony? Faithfulness is certainly part of that. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What is that verse? We typically talk about singing when we talk to that verse. But the first several words are, let the word... Of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Get in God's Word. Memorize it. We're memorizing Revelation chapter 20. What a great passage of Scripture uh, to memorize. Uh, a great doctrine in there. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the words of the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon, uh, bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Getting in God's Word is not just a new thing. It's an Old Testament thing, and it will help you. Uh, Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. <clears throat> so, uh, we've given you, I'm going to give you one more. Read your Bible, pray, be a bold witness for Christ, give faithfully, attend faithfully, memorize Scripture. And this goes back with uh, come to church. 
Surround yourself with strong believers. Get around some guys and gals that know God's Word. That's number seven. Surround yourself with strong believers. Why? They will help you to grow in your faith. For the service tonight, Brother Oldenburg came down. He and I sat on the front row, and we talked about some complex Bible topics that will make your... I mean, make your ears sweat. You say, my ears don't sweat. I tell you what, if you were up there with us, your ears would have been sweating. And I challenged him, and he challenged me. which Challenge each other to study. That's just a smart thing. Hang around smart people. Learn. Ask questions. Find out. Be careful. Here's a warning. Be careful who you listen to on the Internet. My phone rings. My phone has rang, has, has rung, ring, rang, rung, gone off several times this week. Lighthouse Baptist Church, may I help you? Pastor, I got a question. The world's coming to an end. This thing, and my question is always this: Who, who are you listening to on the internet? Because you didn't get that from this book. Well. Well, he said, but what did God say? Well, let me tell you what God said. And just be careful who you listen to. Because there are a lot of voices out there that have, they have a lot of opinions, and they're just not based on Scripture. They're just not. Be careful. Protect the Bible. And hanging around other people will protect you from spiritual attack. When you're going through a tough time, somebody will say to you, right, Brother Mark, are you okay? Everything all right? got a need? Something I can pray with you about? You'll see yourself today. Other people will see that. People that you talk to. It'll, it'll help you to motivate you to pursue your goals. To provoke, as Hebrews 10.24 said, to provoke unto love and, good, and, and to good works. And we're supposed to be doing that. It'll give you positive energy. You'll get excited. Um, and so Rick and I and Dustin, on Tuesday morning, uh, uh, we like to meet at 8.30, in case you want to join us. If you want to join three smart guys as we talk about the Bible, you're welcome to do that. Over at Krispy Kreme, you get uh, coffee is so-so. The donuts are really good. Uh, <clears throat> and you get some good coffee, uh, some moderate coffee, some good donuts, and some, some great conversation. And we'll, we'll talk about spiritual things. It'll, it'll, it'll improve your outlook. Because Proverbs 22 says this. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And loving favor than silver or gold. Father, I thank you for your word. Wow. Thank you for the fellowship of the folks in this room. A faithful here on a Wednesday night. I know these folks are my friends. I know if I had a problem or a prayer request, these folks would bear that burden with me. I know they would. And Father, I know that in the room tonight, there are those who are struggling. Illness. Cancer. Loss. And you know every heart. And you know their need. And Father, 
They know that I know. But most of all, they know that you know. And they know that you care. And they know that you love them. And I pray tonight that they would be encouraged to be in church, to be in your word, to be around like-minded believers who love you as well. And we'll praise you for your wisdom throughout all eternity. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.